This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and I'm super excited about today's episode because we are going to help all of our listeners. Everybody is going through so much. The state of the world, the state of the universe right now is very heavy, very stagnant. There's just so much uncertainty in the world. And we've done a poll of our community. We've done a poll of the women listeners of the How Men Think community. And we found out the top five things that our community is struggling with. And we have four very special guests that we'll be bringing on today to address these five areas. The five areas that we have polled in our community that women are struggling with and most worried about right now are number one, health, love, and family. Number two, trying to find normalcy and a routine during this pandemic. Number three, mental health, stress, and anxiety. Number four, what does the future look like? And number five, finances. So we have four brilliant and very intelligent, very successful women coming on the show today to help us answer these questions and help us through the struggle that we are currently going through. So without further ado, we have our first two guests joining us right now. Our first guest is a possibilitarian and board certified coach. She helps leaders create workspaces that solve the world's biggest problems. She believes that by centering well-being, connection, and self-awareness, we can create the conditions for everyone to succeed. She's currently the resident well-being coach at YouTube. She's worked with women at Google for over 10 years and is the founder of the Luminaries. She gives leaders and organizations the tools to become their highest selves, go after everything they've ever wanted, and work together like never before. Cherie Healy, welcome back to the show. So good to be here. <laughs> Thanks it's for having so good me. To have you saved all of us last time you're on the show. You fixed all of our problems. Right. Like we need to get three back. Group therapy was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, we need Ryan's like, oh, I, I need to be on that show. Ryan's not with us today, but I think you saved Ryan's life. It's the only reason he's continued on. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but Cherie, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brooks. You're welcome. Yes, we're, we're glad to have you. Our second guest right here is a clinical associate professor of psychiatry with the New York Presbyterian Hospital and a psychoanalyst at the New York Psychoanalytic Institute. She's best known for her work as a relationship, family, emotional well-being, and mental health and wellness contributor in the media, where she frequently shares her expertise on the mental health aspects of current issues and news. She's a best-selling author of numerous books, including her most recent, The Power of Different, The Link Between Disorder and Genius. She's also the host of the Personology Podcast from iHeartRadio, Dr. Gail Saltz. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's really great to be with you. I'm, I'm so excited to dive into all of these topics with you ladies and get your expertise because I don't know if we could have ever found two more qualified people to speak on these topics. So once again, I'll review for you guys and for our listeners, the top five things that our female listeners are struggling with right now. Health, love and family. Trying to find a routine and normalcy in the pandemic. Mental health, stress and anxiety. The future and finances. And so I wanna lead with you, Cherie. What are you finding 
Are you finding that to be a common thread with your clients? What are you finding most of your clients are struggling with the most right now? Yeah, I mean, most of the women that I work with, I work with men too, but the women are the big focus today and they are juggling like crazy, trying to show up to work, to kids, to relationship demands and themselves and and their selves are last. You know, it's they're they're putting themselves on the back burner for all the reasons to uphold everybody else's well-being. And I think that's what I work on a lot with them is saying the more you want to give, the more you need. And if they're going to go out there and try to help everybody else and still crush it at work and be great parents and all of it, that they have to center well-being and their own mental health Yeah, as a gift to others. Yeah, it's such a selfless act, right? It's such mm-hmm. a selfless act to to pour love into your family, to pour love into your partner. You know, you have to show up in in the work environment as well. That a lot of uh, oftentimes, I think of myself as well. Like even guys, I think as well, we'll put ourselves yep. last, and our and then what's then it ends up not being sustainable. Yeah. It ends up we end up crashing. We end up, um, you know, depression can come from that because you're not personally happy and fulfilled it's a very it's a very difficult time for a lot of people and i don't have kids right now so i don't know what you know i can't i can't have the understanding of what a parent is going through trying to juggle kids juggle the relationship like you said juggle work and then also make yourself happy in a really unique and chaotic time yeah yeah and i i think that it we feel guilty if we're happy now that's another thing it's like if i am doing okay holy cow that's not fair because so many people are really struggling so there's almost you know what we're doing in some mental health campaigns at youtube and even with my kids is is people are are almost wearing their mental health challenges to to be in belonging you know, to, to say, oh, I, I'm, I'm not doing okay either, you know, where I actually think the people who are okay right now, we need you, you know, we need, we need joy and we need laughter and we need centered joy so that, you know, we're all going to make it through this. I think we're in the marathon, you know? I agree with you, Sheree. I think now more than ever, the world needs inspiration. Yeah. And I I see, I, I have a lot friends that are struggling during the pandemic. And I have a lot of friends that are actually really thriving during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. it seems that my friends that are thriving during it have become very shy to share their current state of well-being because they don't want to like, they don't want to put it in front of anybody's face or like make other feels, other people feel less than. Um, but I'm like, please share it. The world needs that inspiration now more than ever. Truly. Uh, Gail, in the same sort of thing, like across the mental health board, are you seeing struggle and thriving? Yes, that's fair to say. But I would say, obviously, as a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, I am seeing more struggle because I am, you know, that's my job. And so I'm seeing, you know, return of patients that had, you know, been doing well and are are relapsing. Um, I'm seeing uh, new patients, obviously, that, you know, people who had not previously seemed to need mental health care, need it. Um, I could tell you that surveys across the board, the American Psychiatric Association, um, the National Institute of Mental Health, 
um, there's really an explosion of mental health need in anxiety disorders and depressive disorders, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, relapsing people in terms of addiction and real concerns that there may be a rise in suicide rates uh, when we reflect back on this time. Uh, concerns about rising mental health issues in health professionals, a group that rarely gets mental health care because they kind of feel like they're not supposed to, but they've been on the front lines of this pandemic and the, the stress, the burnout, the the feelings of helplessness have really affected health professionals. Um, so I, I would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm very heavily taxed, as are my peers, in really trying to help people to do two things. Um, one is to uh, think about and incorporate into your life preventive mental health care. So we can talk about what those things are, but you know, people think all the time about preventive care, right? You go to the doctor once a year to have checkup and see if you have diabetes or, or see if you're heading in that direction or if your blood pressure is rising or if you need some cardiac care to prevent certain diseases from happening. But we never think about that with mental health care and we should be because yeah. people can definitely be doing things, things that are, are, are not difficult to incorporate into your life. We've been talking about aerobic exercise for 30 minutes a day, multiple times a week, we talking about deep breathing, the practice of mindfulness or meditation, um, muscle relaxation, use of visual imagery, all kinds of things that people can do to help stave off and, and actually build a, a toolbox of coping tools to feel more resilient in this time. Because really, even though I could tell you, okay, I'm not seeing as many people feel great, so I want people to understand if you don't feel great, that, that's pretty normal right now. And that's okay. You can accept that. But I do think yeah. that we're going to see a lot of people yep. afterwards build resilience and feel in some ways stronger and more able than they did before. I, I actually very much agree with you on that. Um, in my life as an athlete, I've learned a lot about resilience. And we used to say as an athlete, where you once blister, you will callous. And I think that's what it's going to happen to people right now is they're, they're blistering in certain areas. But like you said, Gail, they're going to be stronger in the future because of it. Um, and we also used to say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, but are you right? Like I don't, I've never, I've never thought of it in, in terms of mental health preventative care. So can you walk us through what some of those things specifically might be where somebody can be proactive to defend against the onset of any sort of mental health anxiety or illness or trauma right. upcoming? So the two, the two most common arenas, uh, I think, of concern are various anxiety issues, which people are experiencing, and various depressive issues, which people are experiencing. And um, so things, like I said, aerobic exercise, really getting your heart rate up for 30 minutes a day, multiple times a week, has been shown to actually go head to head with medication for mild to moderate depression, clinical depression. Definitely reduces anxiety, um, really? definitely reduces stress level. So that, that, is, that is a no brainer. Um, doing something, taking five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the end of the day to do something like um, deep abdominal breathing, which is breathing into your nose to a count of five and out to a count of seven. This pattern kind of breathing, which at first will feel weird and be uncomfortable, and you want to start by doing it lying down so that you can put your hand over your abdomen and have that part 
of your lower chest essentially for the inhale because you want you want your lungs to fill deeply. That kind of pattern breathing actually has been shown to really reduce physiologic anxiety, which actually then reduces mm. the anxiety in your mind. Similarly, deep muscle relaxation, which is squeezing muscle groups, starting with your toes and eventually moving all the way up to your face to a count of five as tight as you can, and then relaxing it slowly to a count of five, again, reducing physiologic anxiety. Social support, super important. Do you have people that you have in your life that you can really talk with about how you're really feeling? Not the, you know, fake, I, I got to put on a good face for you kind of friend, but like really people that you, you can be intimate with and really talk. Um, journaling is very helpful for some people to really write down their feelings and even take their temperature every day to objectively mm. see like on a scale of one to 10, how is my mood today? Like, is it, am I really having a hard time? Or actually I reflect back, not so much which gives you perspective. Yeah. Um, these kinds of things built in really help. Um, but I would also tell people that if they are finding that their, their mood or their anxiety level is interfering with their ability to function day to day at all, interrupting sleep, appetite, yeah. no libido, really highly irritable or highly hopeless, and you can't really function you, in your usual way, um, even when you make effort, then yeah. It might be time to, you know, just check in with a therapist and have an evaluation. Yeah. I also think people who are, you know how in our friend groups, there's like the person who usually is uh, the support person for everybody. They're, you know, one friend will call them, the next friend will call them, and, and they support everybody. I think those people also, I want to, if you're one of those people in your friend group, I want to encourage you to reach out to people as well. I know people in my life who are very supportive of many people. And then they're like, man, can somebody just ask me how I'm doing instead of dumping all of their issues on me? Um, so, but you need to be open and honest and share your, I'm a very strong guy as well. I can handle a lot of stuff as well, but I've learned as well. I need to reach out to ask for help. I need, you know, because our, my friends are, are struggling too, or, or maybe they're doing great or, but like it, it's very easy for people to somewhat miss you. There's a lot going on in the world, a lot going on in our lives. And I want to encourage people to voice if they have issues, voice it to friends, raise it with friends. And it's amazing when you do, your friends will line up to help you as much as they possibly can. Cherie, what, what can you... What advice can you give to our listeners right now about um, about struggling with family, love, and, and that kind of structure? So kids, let's separate it into kids, and then I'll, let's start with relationship. People that are struggling yeah. with relationship, do you have any advice that you can give to support people struggling with relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think Gail would agree. She's probably seeing it in her practice too, that relationships are taking a heavy hit right now. You know, we're quarantining with people, we're all up in each other's business more than ever. And I think there's some blessings in that, but it's been, it's been hard on relationships. I think we've heard predictions that divorce rates are going to rise during this moment in time, domestic violence is up. And I think for women in particular, we go to fear, you know, it's so easy to go to fear right now and feel disconnection. I think connection is our number one need. It's how we survive through relationship. It's also like the number one indicator of job satisfaction or deep and meaningful relationships. So 
um, talk about relationships at home and at work. Because at home, I think communication is everything right now. Like, you know, channel a little Brene Brown and being super vulnerable and honest about what you need and how you're feeling yeah. and where where you're hurting. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot that I work on with people in this realm because I don't think we really have these communication structures and these tools. We didn't learn them in school. But to baseline start, it's just being really real, setting aside time to be honest about how you're feeling and sharing fears. Because I know one of my greatest teachers is saying over and over and over again, um, do not let fear be your guide. It's the opposite of love. And women, Amazing. I think when we're in our full feminine power, we are love. We are the pure vessels of love. And I think we look outside of ourselves when we're in fear to get it. And if we could remember that we're the source of it and to do everything that might nurture love flowing through our own bodies, and that starts with ourselves, which is, I see a yeah. lot of women being phenomenally hard on themselves right now because they just feel like they can't do anything well. Mm. And so to start really with the practices, a lot of what Gail said, I would have totally underscored and plus one, um, really looking at what are the conditions that I require as a woman right now to do my best. What are the conditions? So at work, if people are loading up workloads on me and I, I've got work streams galore and I can't ask for help, that I will underscore both of you saying that, that you have to learn how to say, I actually can't do all this. Yeah. And delegate and learn how to be real with your boss and ask for, if I'm gonna say yes to something, I've gotta say no to other things or say yes. no to what something's asking, somebody's asking for to say yes to other things and be real about it. A lot of these companies that I work with are very, you know, we've been trained to be so utterly polite and achieving and good and all of this. And it precludes the humanity that I think we all need to give ourselves right now. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, further to that, when I think about that, when you're speaking there, the thing that I'm listening to, or the thing that's going on in my mind is, when I start to feel anxious or have stress about something, the initial reason and cause for that is feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I should have said no to something. And then, and then I have anxiety and stress. Yeah. Um, Gail, how do, we, how do we say no? How do we learn to say no? How do we lower that overwhelmed feeling? A lot of people are feeling overwhelmed with many things. Like you said, job, kids, relationship, the upcoming election, the future of this, how long is this going? Like, how do we, how do we stop from feeling so overwhelmed? Well, a big part right now of people feeling overwhelmed has to do with uncertainty, right? We do not know when this will end, if this will end, um, we, you know, on it, on a, on a global level, right? And so all, it seems like things keep coming and we don't know how they'll get resolved or if they'll end. And we, on a day-to-day -day level, there's, that creates all kinds of uncertainty. You know, people usually feel calmer in structure of some sort. And so yeah. to have this level of constant uncertainty is, is driving tremendous amount of anxiety. And then the other feeling you sort of described was, was the stress of burnout, which is taking on and taking on. Um, and, and, and for women, the numbers that have recently come out is, you know, 
women are basically working a 70 hour work week because they're the primary caretakers usually of the kids. And so they're, everybody's at home, you know, everybody's working from home. So they're, they're working, they're working the house, they're working the kids and they have a 70 hour work week to, to, to uh, their partner's 50 hour work week. So, you know, there, there is like a tremendous amount of burnout. And um, as Cherie was, was pointing out, like, we feel like we're supposed to, we're, we're supposed to, you know, if we're really a good woman, we're going to, we're going to say yes to everything and do everything. And, you know, so as you're, so you're saying you can't. So two things I think have to happen. One is how can you learn to live with and accept a degree of uncertainty? It's not something that we usually consciously think a lot about, but it is something in this instance, I'm saying would really be helpful to you to think about, um, you know, you, you, you basically say, what am I anxious about? It's a, it, that's a, that's an appropriate danger signal for things going on. Let me do my problem solving in relation to that. And once I've done whatever concrete problem solving I can do, any anxiety left over is just free floating uncertainty, anxiety. And I have to just let it be. I can't attack it. I can't fend it off. I just kind of, it's going to float there. I don't have to react to it. I have to know that there's not a thing to do. It just is. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's something that you actually have to practice. And the more you practice it, actually, the more the anxiety recedes because it's the mental, it's the brain's fight with this anxiety about uncertainty that drives anxiety up. And in terms of burnout, well, we know from all kinds of studies about burnout and caregiver burnout that it happens. It's bad for your mind. It's bad for your body. It raises your cortisol level, which, which creates a lot of different kinds of health issues. So it is vitally important that if you are the caregiver of everything, that you simply offload it. You got to say no to some work things. You got to say, you know, to your partner, I need you to take this and this and this, or Hey mom, this is going on, would you be able to do this and this? Or, hey, friend, can we as a community say, today will be in my backyard and tomorrow will be in your backyard and we'll take care. There are ways to sort of brainstorm around bringing people in to offload some of the stuff in addition to the saying no, which is hard. As Cherie's pointing out, women mm -hmm. tend to often feel guilty. I'm not supposed to. And you just have to like get with yourself and say, you are not helping anybody. If your well is dry, there is no water for anyone. So you yeah. have to set some limits. From an empty cup. So, yeah, so you have some well. I could yeah. just even um, add on to what Gail just said about handling uncertainty. It's so true. They say the people who can handle a lot of uncertainty do the best in life. And the way to also counterbalance it is to get enough certainty. So dial in on what would make you feel safe what would make you feel in control? You know, a good plan. I always get asked for like, what's my plan? You know, or mm -hmm. um, really tending to the finances. Like that's another fear for a lot of women. So get a great advice person on your team, somebody who's in that realm to say, take care of me. Tell me what I should be doing right now. You know, anything that would give you safety, comfort, pleasure to, to balance out the uncertainty will be huge. I think, yeah, I think that, I think all of those are really important, safety, comfort. And I love the last one you said was pleasure, but it, because I think a lot of people right now are overlooking that 
element of life. It's become a struggle and a survive atmosphere versus like an adapt and thrive atmosphere. Yeah. So like people are like, oh, I'm locked in my house. Well, you're not locked in your house. Your, your front door still opens. Like in LA, everybody is feels so contained in LA, but the Angeles National Forest is only 30 minutes outside of LA. You can yeah. go for a hike in nature, you know, like yes. life is changing. It's very different than it was before, but with that brings different opportunities. I've also had lots of friends that have said, I've never had a level of connection with my family and my kids. The things I've get to see that I'd be around my kids so much, it's been absolutely amazing. It's been a blessing to me. It's yeah. reinvigorated my family life versus getting so focused on career. Um, so Gail, true. what do you see? We only have a couple minutes left, but what do you see? What do you see as some long-lasting effects of this quarantine slash COVID time? Well, I think people are going to realize that they are made of stronger stuff than they realized in some ways, right? Um, and uh, they, I think many people are building coping tools to last them, um, that we can't take for granted a lot of the things in life and in the world that we have, that, we, that you have, and many people are reorienting their priorities. What really, oh gosh, this makes me think, what really matters to me? This relationship really matters to me, or this, you know, whatever it is, and, and that's not a bad thing because sometimes, you know, you walk around feeling kind of invincible and kind of like life's forever. And, you know, this has made us sort of pulled us up short and said, oh, maybe those things aren't true. And, um, and, that's, yeah. and that changes priorities. And I also want to make a pitch for, in terms of improving mood, by the way, um, the importance of relating to what you said, gratitude as a practice, um, that even if things are difficult. There's almost always something you can think of during the day for which you do feel grateful, a person, a cup of coffee, like almost, a, and, and making a mental note and naming those each day for several weeks actually will boost mood and reduce anxiety and giving back. So yes, you can go out and have pleasurable, but actually a pleasurable thing to do is to brainstorm a way to be giving, giving to people around mm -hmm. you, or giving on a community level. And those things are very tied to mental health as well. Um, and they are often very pleasurable in, in kind of a unique way. Gratitude is, is a massive one. Um, a while back, I did the four kind of values of my life, four pillars of my life and gratitude um, of, of happiness and what a full life looks like for me. And gratitude was one of those. And I noticed that when I started getting into sort of a grumpy, grouchy mood, the first pillar of my life that started to fall away was gratitude. As yeah. soon as gratitude started falling away, I started, it was like what I didn't have, what was going wrong, what was, and I was like, wow, that's actually a lack of gratitude is actually leading to my, my disrupted state, a less yeah. than peak state. And uh, it's actually during COVID time, it's actually brought prayer back into my life a lot. I pray three times a day. I pray before every meal. Um, I used to pray just at supper time, but now I pray before every meal and I just say whatever comes out. Thankful for my dog. Thankful for this beautiful park that I'm able to take him to. Thankful for the opportunity to have a conversation with you ladies today. And I just say things that I don't, I don't plan. I don't have a specific prayer that I say. I just, you know, thank you for this food. Thank you for the hands that prepared it. Um, all this kind of stuff. And it just warms my heart. And it's actually been something I look forward to when I sit down for every single meal to say a prayer and see what comes out. It's really helped me immensely. 
Um, Cherie, do you have any other advice for our community, for the ladies of our community or the listeners of our community that yeah. can help them navigate this struggle? Yeah, and what you just said is so huge because that's the antidote to fear, Brooks. Like, you know, practicing gratitude just means that fear can't really be present. Yeah. And you are actually elevating your state of being higher than where where the world is pulling us down to, you know? So that's another act of control and personal freedom, you know, to do that. I think my big um, focus with people right now is, is anchoring them and orienting them to what is going on. Where, where am I in this crazy scene? Cause everybody feels a little lost at sea, you know, and the waves keep crashing. And I think that this is just my understanding, having studied so much with scholars and sages and this, this time that we're in was predicted thousands of years ago. It's we're like right on schedule. And everybody wow. wants to say it's the apocalypse and, and it is in a way, but it's not what we have been sold through all the movies. It's mm. an ending of things as we know it, which mm. I think could be the greatest thing that ever happened to us. I agree. And if you center into that storyline, you know, that I'm a part of, of a changing of history of a new era. Maybe I know Zach Bush, who I love says, if you were born right now for this, you have a big purpose mm. and I'm always zooming people out to remember what's the bigger picture. Like, yeah, our finances, our relationships, our health, everything is like crazy, but what's the really big thing going on and how can I remember that? That's, that helps you say no, you know, that helps you say like, actually, I want to tell my grandkids a different story about what, what I did in this time. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Gail, anything to add to that? I, I'm going to let you ladies go here in a second. Anything to add to that? The best advice you could leave our listeners with? Um, everybody needs self-care. And I, I think, um, you know, this, this time, because it is a particularly stressful and difficult time, more than ever, everybody needs self-care. So I, I would just say, you know, there are many ways to do that. Um, but you kind of have to make it a priority, I guess I'll say. And whether that's self-care within your relationship or within your finances, um, or what you put, you know, into your body, um, and, and what you do with your mind, uh, I just would, would say that, um, you know, I, I'm pleased to say we're coming out of a time where self-care and, and certainly mental health care was so stigmatized that people, you know, couldn't acknowledge or wouldn't tell others. And, I think we're, we're really coming out of that, I'm glad to say. Um, so the most important thing is acknowledge to yourself, acknowledge your own story to yourself, uh, because that's the only way you can rewrite your story, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and, and make alterations um, and physiologically uh, feed, your, feed your body so you can feed your mind. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we'll, like I said, I think many of us will turn out to come out more resilient in the end and have built tools, you know, you can't build resilience if, if every, if the way is paved, if the way is smooth. I'm trying to talk to parents about this all the time. If you pave the way for your child and they can never make mistakes or fall down because you pick them up as they were even heading down, um, then they can't build the coping tools. They can't learn that they can overcome, that they can, that they have that strength in them. And then when really more difficult stuff happens, they don't feel equipped. So same thing is true for adults. And so I do think that out of this, um, people are going to find that they had stuff in them they didn't know, 
that they've accrued certain abilities and strengths they didn't know they had, um, and that will will leave them uh, fitter for life. I agree with you. I had a friend that uh, was talking about, uh, recently I was talking to him and he said about life and relationship. He, he was talking about relationship, but applied it to life as well. He said, a relationship, when given a conflict, if that conflict can be peacefully resolved, the relationship is stronger for having had that conflict and thus in a better position moving forward. So and true. that was wonderful. Wow, It applies to life. It applies to relationship, career, many things. So uh, yeah. it was very relevant for this conversation. Um, Cherie, where can our community find you? Uh, it's cheriehealy.com and the luminaries on social. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on oh, the show, Cherie, because we, we've got a world of problems amongst the men here that you can <laughs> okay, meet with. Uh, and Dr. Gail, where can, where can our community oh, yeah, find you? Yeah, they can you? tweet me at Dr. Gail Saltz. Um, they can find me at www.drgailsaltz.com. Um, if they want sort of more information about the kind of things that I'm talking about, they can check out my book, mentioned the power of different. And, um, and yes, I, I actually, uh, I, I, I have already personality, I heart, uh, podcast up, but I'm, I'm about to begin another one that will be, uh, very specifically mental health care for women. So, um, Amazing. they can, they can tune into that as well. Amazing. The world needs more of it. Ladies, thank you so much. And we'll be back with two more special guests right after this break. Back from break. Our first two guests were amazing. So helpful. And now we have two more amazing, brilliant, intelligent, very successful women here to help us navigate this COVID, this very uncertain time of life. Um, it's fascinating to see where the world is where the world was, where the world is, and where the world is going to go. And a big part of that has been finances. Uh, and so we have a special guest on with us right now who's going to help with that. And then we, have, we also want to continue the conversation about mental health anxiety and how do we get control? How do we get some sort of semblance in, of control and start coming out of this pandemic? So our next guest is named by Urban Influence Magazine as one of the 20 hottest influencers in America. She is an author, entertainment executive, and celebrity financial coach who helps others face their money issues and achieve personal, professional, and spiritual harmony. She has two, more than two decades worth of experience in the banking and real estate sales industries. She's featured regularly on the Steve TV show, the Hallmark Channel's Home and Family Show, and BET Networks. Dr. Lynn Richardson, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for the beautiful invitation. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Finances are a big stressor and it's causing stress in relationships, not just in life, but in relationships. So we want to get into the finances, especially with you. And also joining us, uh, we have another very special guest, a very talented, brilliant guest. She is a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in Beverly Hills and specializes in the treatment of couples and relationships, depression, anxiety, trauma, grief, and eating disorders. She believes that therapy is not magic, but rather a process that requires work, commitment, and faith, and it is slow, steady changes that lead to sustained changes. Dr. Hillary Goldscher, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Guys, I appreciate you so much. Um, this has been, we're gonna go, we're gonna go rapid. Boom, 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 here we go. Um, we wanna serve our community as much as possible. Um, Lynn, 
what are you seeing in the world of finances right now? What are we supposed to do with our fire? Are we supposed to spend money, not spend money? Should we be saving? Why are finances causing us such stress in our lives and our relationships? Well, I'll answer the first question. The first question is we should not be spending money. Uh, we can't go anywhere anyway, right? <laughs> so social distancing and staying home is good for the budget. Uh, we are facing what could possibly be the worst uh, recession of all time. And so I encourage folks to one, uh, store as much cash as you can, get rid of as many um, unnecessary subscriptions and things like that as you can, minimize if you can and stack your cash. Take advantage of the offers by almost every finance uh, or lender company in the, in the country where they're offering extensions of time to pay. Now is not the time to be a financial hero. Now it's not the time to prepay everything down as soon as you get your money um, because people are losing their jobs. Um, many big companies are figuring out ways to keep people at home and to get rid of the workforce now that they see that we can work at home and be effective. So that really is uh, cash is king. But the beautiful thing is right now, um, home-based businesses are winning. Everybody should have a home-based business. I feel like Noah when he was telling everybody to get in the art and nobody believed him. And I've been saying for the past 12 years, at least, it seems like every single day, everybody needs a home-based business. And so now is the time to tap into that creativity. Now is the time to do that, uh, you know, to go after that dream that you never thought you could. Now is the time to re-energize, to reorganize, to reboot, uh, and to take advantage of this time where we get to hit the reset button. I love what you just said there because it, it, it's a blend of two things. It's a blend of being conservative and smart with a blend of being bold, right? It's like, yes. it's an, it's let's be smart. Let's say there's some uncertainty here. Okay. So let's, let's position ourselves well there, but also let's utilize this new opportunity that the world has presented to us. Cause I don't want people to just go into a, a hunker down bunker, like life preservation mode because there are tremendous opportunities that are opening up that we have to see and have to create, but they're there. If you look at, I think the, the financial crisis out of 08, there were some of the most brilliant companies that came out of that crisis. There was, I think an 18 month stretch where it was Uber, Twitter, Instagram, a lot of these massive companies came out of that stretch of, uh, of chaos in the world. And so this is a unique uh, pocket of life for people to see it as an opportunity if they can. Um, on the family front, Hillary, what are your, your clients, what are, what are some of the biggest issues that you are seeing in relation to, in relation to relationships? What are people struggling with? Is it finances that people are struggling with the most? Is it connection or too much proximity? What are you seeing that people are struggling with the most? Yeah, I think the family unit is is really struggling during this time in many ways. I mean, being all under one roof and having to manage professional life, personal connections, and in most, in many cases, school um, can be quite chaotic. And I would say there are a lot of reports of anxiety. The family is anxious and anxious about the way in which their life paradigm has shifted, anxious about doing homeschooling properly, anxious about feeling somewhat disconnected in their relationships. Although we're all spending more time together, there's enough stress and enough anxiety that that time has been somewhat compromised. So I would say there's a myriad of issues that have come, come up, but those are sort of the highlights that I've been hearing quite frequently. Do you, do you see a lot of people, as listening 
talking. Do you see people struggling because they haven't accepted this new norm yet that they want what was, is that causing people to struggle that they haven't accepted? Like, okay, it looks like we're probably going like this for another six years or a month or six months or a year. Um, and I need to somewhat embrace this new kind of norm versus wishing what was. Y yes. And, and, and it, are people, are people yeah. And in my view, I, I call that grief in part, you know, that many people are still grieving and appropriately so the loss of what was. And in some ways we have to honor that process and not catapult them or push them into a place they're not ready for. But right, there's this balance of acceptance and acknowledgement so you can be fluid and adjust. So I, I find that to be a really difficult task for most individuals and most family units is that balance between grieving over what was and it's appropriate. There's, there's no blueprint for this. Never has the world been affected in such a, such a unique, incredulous way, but also we have to show resilience and we have to help our family find a new way of being. So I absolutely think that's at the heart of what a lot of families and individuals are struggling with. Um, yeah, I agree so too. And, and, but I think there is a tremendous amount of optimism for the future, but in certain times it's very difficult to see that one of these times could, this could be one of those times. Um, Lynn, what are you seeing with, have you seen the financial blowback to the family structure, the connection there, like potentially if one person loses their job, have you, is that putting more stress on families and relationships? Um, what are you seeing in, of, in relation to finances related to the relationship? Um, I definitely think it's causing stress for the family, uh, particularly when one person loses the job and if that person was the breadwinner. Um, and quite frankly, whether they were the breadwinner or not, um, in today's times, every penny that comes into the household, it usually has a purpose. <laughs> so for those two parented uh, working homes, every dollar has a purpose, whether it be uh, for the household, whether it be for childcare um, or college for you know, a college student. Um, but I really think that this is the time right now to hit the reset button and to hit uh, to set new expectations. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we really understand or that we we really get a chance to appreciate the fact that many of us were probably addicted to a lifestyle that although we miss it and it felt good, like a drug, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good for us. Yeah. Right. But you still have the attachment to whatever the thing was. And so having the opportunity to go cold turkey is giving us an opportunity to see what we have left. And although that may be a difficult task, I think one, one of the things that families are doing, uh, I was on another a national news show a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to the parents about staying relevant in their jobs. And then I was talking to them about hiring their kids to work in their home-based business. You have your kids at home all day anyway. The IRS says you can hire those kids to work in your business. You can pay each child up to $12,400 a year. That money is a tax write-off to you. And now you can take that money that you're paying the child and they can pay for all their own things that you were going to pay for anyway, but you didn't get a tax write-off for those things. Like that computer for the online learning or private school tuition or a video game or what have you. So this presents an opportunity for families to kind of work together uh, more cohesively in a different way, learning something new. Uh, my youngest daughter is a sophomore at college. They came home spring break, didn't go back until a couple of weeks ago. 
but she's a uh, 19 years old, sophomore in college. She's been working for me since she was six, <laughs> six years old. Uh, yeah, she and her sisters, uh, her sister was seven, her older sister was 11, and they've been working for me since that time. So they understand the value of money. They understand entrepreneurialism. And I, for one, if I had kids at home, I don't know how much time they'd spend learning ABCs and one, two, threes, but they'd certainly be working in the home-based business, getting an entrepreneurial experience, um, helping the family. And I think all those kind of things uh, that we're learning that are new are bringing us together if we give it, a, give it a chance. Oh, Lynn, that was gold. That was wonderful. I, I, so many of our listeners are probably thinking, boom, I got three kids here that are now going to work because Lynn Richardson gave me the green light to put them to work. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the Department of, La of Labor says so. The Department of Labor, and people don't realize, the Department of Labor says that a child of any age can work in entertainment. That's why you see babies on diaper commercials and baby food commercials. A child of any age can work in entertainment, theatrical production. So if you have a home-based business that you need to promote on the internet, uh, then you can put your child in the video. They can act or perform in that, and it's perfectly legal, ethical, and moral. The Department of Labor also says that a child can work in a parent's home-based business, a home-based business, not your restaurant, not your corporation that's down the block in the big building, but a child can work in a home, parent's home-based business at any age for any number of hours, uh, any day of the week, any time of the day, um, except for in agricultural and farming. So that presents a huge opportunity. And, yeah. and some of the parents say, well, what can my two-year-old do? I say any child that can work an iPad can work a job. Any child. Yeah. You can work an iPad, you have a job. <laughs> Okay, um, you'd be surprised what young kids could do. They could, they can help with social media. Your slightly older kids can help with filing and research and paperwork. And then your teens, your preteens and up. They, my young, my oldest daughter, she graduated from Northwestern. She's been running my whole business since she was thirteen, doing data entry and spreadsheets and things like that. So we really get to tap into another part of who we are. I think it's exciting. I haven't seen a family where the kids aren't exci excited about getting their own paycheck. Now that means you have to buy your own things, <laughs> including your own Christmas toys. So, you know, that can be a bummer, but the truth is there are ways for us to work together during this pandemic and win financially. Beautiful, very well said. Um, Hillary, I wanna ask you about, cause we had two previous guests on that we were talking about how to manage, cope and deal with anxiety. And I'm actually right now going through and doing some counseling and therapy myself. I'm working through some of the emotions that I still have, remnants of, of being let go from hockey, being able to retire as a professional athlete. So I'm a big advocate for therapy and for counseling. Um, have you seen an increase in your demand during this time or are people too shy to ask for help? I've absolutely seen an increase during this time and a notable one. And, and I'm, you know, it's unfortunate, but I'm pleased that people are reaching out. And I, 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 there, I think it's so important to begin with self-compassion, in my opinion. I think people feel afraid of their anxiety, feel resistant to their anxiety. And as a result, it can become um, paralyzing. And, and mm -hmm. so I, I really encourage folks to be super in touch with quote symptoms that they're having, you know, ruminating thoughts, uh, physical uh, symptoms, heart racing, stomach lurching, et cetera, that are invasive and consistent. And to begin with that self-compassion that like something's going on here, there's something that I need to pay attention to and get to the bottom of. And 
you can start with sort of a, a, a self-care program that might consist of, you know, sharing feelings or concerns with trusted others, uh, exercising, journaling, meditating, et cetera. But if those symptoms continue and are persistent, there's no shame in reaching out for help. Now is the time to do it. It's amazing what you just said. I started smiling because you basically just shared what I've really gone through. One of the first things that I learned or that I learned and am still learning is to have compassion and empathy for myself, for what I went through with being released from hockey. I didn't get to say, I retire, I'm tired, I'm done. I was released. I was told, Brooks, you, you are done. Um, and so I never gave myself empathy. I never had empathy or compassion for that kind of trauma um, in my life. And often I think as individuals, we're very compassionate, very empathetic for other people, but for ourselves, we really overlook it. And, and I feel like a lot of people are doing that right now. And I, I want this podcast to encourage people to have empathy for yourself, compassion. Hey, the world is a tough place right now. It is like the world's a really tough place. How do we get people that are struggling with that to have empathy and compassion for themselves to open up, Hillary? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a risk of being vulnerable, you know, being vulnerable with oneself, acknowledging that I'm not always strong. I don't always have all the answers. I do struggle. I do get sad. I don't know everything, you know, being able to be vulnerable and having a belief that vulnerability can lead to a better path, can lead to more connection with oneself and others. It is a tough ask. There's no question. I think there's a societal edict um, in, in many circles that we should um, show ourselves being composed and have it all together and not demonstrate our so-called weaknesses, meaning regular feelings. <laughs> you know, all of us have fears and anxieties and depression. And why wouldn't it be exacerbated in some cases, given where we are today? And so just being open and willing to access that vulnerability. And I would just encourage that when we push down symptoms, when we push them down, um, difficult feelings, painful feelings, we get symptoms is what I mean to say. We get symptoms, whatever those symptoms are, anxiety, depression, drinking too much, fighting with our loved ones, disconnecting, et cetera. Symptoms will show up one way or the other. So instead of pushing them down and having kind of emotional rent to pay later, let them come up and out. And if it gets scary and we need support, call in a friend or reach out to a therapist. And, and, and on the other end of it, it could be something really, really magical. I've never heard someone be vulnerable and regret it later in the long run. Never. That was, yeah. that was so well said. So well said. Yeah. Lynn, go ahead. I would, I would like to just throw in there. There's a flip side to that as well. There are people who are doing really well, who also experience um, fear of success. Uh, this has been one of the busiest times in life for me. This has been one of the busiest times for many of my colleagues that I know. I run an entertainment firm in uh, Hollywood and we're selling shows and uh, contracts and so on and so forth. So while people have figured out how to pivot, um, there's also a success factor. And I remember one night feeling really afraid, like, oh my God, this is everything. It's so much, it's coming so fast. What if I fail? Like literally, I was afraid of failing, literally afraid of failing. And to be able to know what that is, um, because sometimes if you're not honest with yourself, you can divert that to something else. And then I called a friend and I said, I'm afraid to succeed. Like who says that? 
Um, I just happened to have the awareness to get it out. And it wasn't a formal therapy session, but I did feel like I had been uh, counseled (laughs) into saying, girl, get it together. You're okay. Take one step at a time because what was also happening or what has been happening during the pandemic is those businesses that did get a chance to thrive. We had to thrive in a pressure cooker. We we had to thrive in uh, conditions I mean, this was early in the pandemic, helping people with their finances and there's no shipping, there's no movement, there's no restaurants, there's nothing open. How do you get information to people? How do you ship things? How do you, so, and then there's a massive amount of people coming and asking for help daily, all day, every single day. So it goes both ways where there are those who are feeling um, extremely vulnerable and confused and not knowing what to do. And then there's those who are feeling vulnerable because they have too much to do and are overwhelmed and, and don't know how to handle that success either. So thank yeah. you for that. That was really mm-hmm. eye-opening to hear and to receive again. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have friends too that were very, very successful right prior to COVID and, and bought new homes, bought lake houses, things, and then have been able to enjoy those during these times and then feel guilty because they've actually really enjoyed the, the quarantine time. And that's another set of problems too. It's, um, I'm like, well, share it, share the wealth with, with um, people that are less fortunate. They're like, I am, I'm employing, I've employed more gardeners. I have, I've brought on this person to help mm-hmm. out. I'm trying to create opportunities for people. And that's how that's helped them get over some of their, um, their guilt for, for having done well or even doing well during this COVID time. I know both of you guys are on a time crunch, so we need to let you go. We need to get you out of here. But um, undoubtedly, our community is, one of gonna, is gonna wanna find more about you guys and where they can be in contact with you. Um, Dr. Hillary, where can, where can people find you um, to reach out to you? You're in Beverly Hills, but are you online anywhere? Best places on my website, drhillarygoldshire.com and Drs. Dr. and Hillary has two L's. And then Goldshire, G-O-L-D, S-H-E-R. Perfect. Yes. Um, and Lynn, where can people find you? Asklyn.org. Asklyn, L-Y-N-N, no E, dot org. Next time I go to spend a dollar, I'm going to send you an email and say, is this okay? Can I buy lunch? Yeah, I need to approve every expenditure around here. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you for being on How Men Think. I appreciate your hearts, sharing your insight, your knowledge, your expertise with our community undoubtedly it's going to help many, many people. So thank you both so much. I wish you the best health and happiness and to everyone else listening, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How Men Think.